I am I am very glad that we finally got to do this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is the one. This is the one you where were, I was like, like pushing for this from like the fourth episode. <laughs> right? Like I was like this well because this is the movie where I was like I I want to watch this movie again, but I'm at the stage in my life where in order to invest the time, I feel like I need an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Everything this, has to be a side hustle. Exactly. So it's like, this is the movie where, like, I want to watch this movie. I'm going to create a podcast so I can watch this <laughs> Fucking movie. Fucking <laughs> Christ, that's the most roundabout thing I've ever heard. That's, But that is what happened. That's, And I finally got it. We can cancel finally the podcast it. now. <laughs> We've done a year of podcasts. We watched life. Everything is good. <laughs> yeah. Until at least until the next movie that I want to <laughs> watch again, <laughs> maybe when uh, maybe when Nope is out a little bit longer or it's out on digital now. I know, but I want to give it a little bit more time before we really dive into the spoilers and stuff okay. on that one. But anyway, um, so welcome to Creature Crunch, the show where we take a creature, poke it with a scientific cattle prod, and see what happens. My name is Matt, and I'm a dead third build actor, and we're doing life. That seems like a lot. Yeah, we are tackling life, all of its mysteries and everything. I think if nothing else, life has been tackling us more than anything. <laughs> well, we're tackling back now. Oh, okay. We're, we're striking back. Um, we're going to dive into this and learn what the true meaning of life is. <laughs> and it's squishy. It is squishy and hostile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that makes too much sense. Yep. <laughs> so this movie was directed by Daniel Espinoza. Whose uh, whose next movie would be uh, end up being Morbius? Oh, good. So that's fun. Oh, good. <laughs> this man does not have a good track record when it comes to box office. <laughs> oh, but but it is written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who are also uh, both co-wrote uh, the the Deadpool movies, uh-huh. one, two, and three, as well as Zombieland, okay. and, and they've worked on a few other ones. Okay, so, well, like the writing, the writers behind uh-huh. this, the writing team, top notch. The director. You know what? I've only seen <laughs> I've only seen a couple of his movies, and I'm functionally aware of another one. Yeah, I'm just going to give him a pass because I do like this movie a lot. I, I like it a lot, but it <coughs> did kind of bomb at the box office. Well, I mean, very yeah, yeah. It made its money back internationally, but it did not come close uh, domestically. No, it's well, it's a very niche movie, and it despite is. the star power it has. Um, but, I mean, this is definitely a my my type of movie. Like, yeah. I love creature movies, and I'm coming to find out that in my creature movies, I love a bleak ending. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this is a hell of a bleak ending. Yeah. Like, so, it is... Spoilers, I guess, but... <laughs> like, oh my god. I, I, I remember the ending of this movie quite clearly from when we went to the theaters to see it. Uh-huh. And this time it was just like, okay, it's so bleak, it's almost funny. <laughs> it, it's pretty, yeah. So, like, it, it is comically, like... Messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, I mean, there's not a whole lot as far as the the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Um, I know that I... uh, Like, there were a few things that I just didn't touch on that I know you did a little bit more research on. Just a hair. Like, when this movie came out, people were 100% convinced it was a, like, stealth prequel to Venom. Right. For Venom. Uh, And that was, like, okay, the monster's kind of squishy-looking. I, I can see the similarities. I can see yeah. why and how people drew that conclusion. And they used like a couple of unused B-roll footage and music from the Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man Three. Mm-hmm. So I can, I guess I can kind of see it. But people, it's not like it was a theory. It's like it was accepted yeah. that this was a Venom prequel. And like even after the movie came out, people were like, oh, okay, that's how Venom's Venom. gonna get get to Earth. And it's like, okay, no, that's. 
Now, but but how crazy would it have been? It would have been bananas. Was, yeah, if this movie was the exact same way it is now, but it actually was the lead into Venom. Like how yeah. would, uh, that would be insane. <laughs> yeah, would, and one hell of a pull. Instead of landing in uh, Vietnam at the end of the movie, he lands in New York. In New York, and fucking Tom Hardy's like, "Oh, what are you doing there?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be, that would have been an insane thing. Although, I mean, the thing is, though, like, if they were going to do that, they would not have hidden it. It would not have no. been a stealth thing. They would have wanted that first and foremost. Like, this is Oh, Venom. for sure, for sure. It's just like how, uh, in the, the current MCU stuff, people keep saying, oh, this is going to be the movie that the X-Men show up in. This is going to be the movie that the X-Men show up. You're going to know which movie the X-Men show up in because it's going to be fucking called X-Men. Yeah, it's going to be everywhere in, in your face. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. not going to drop a, a marquee noticeable title like that without, like... Without a little bit of marketing behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, same exact thing. But, uh, whatever. So... Um, yeah, that's, that's like all I had as far as... There's not a whole lot of like weirdo behind the scenes stuff on this and it was a pretty straightforward movie. Yeah, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of, uh, YouTube videos and things of like, oh, Ryan Reynolds and behind the scenes and life. And I was just like, you know what? I don't have the time or inclination to watch this because it's probably just going to be Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds and not give me any creative insight to this movie. Like, so, wow, I like making this movie. It sure was a fun movie to make. Yeah. And like, then he's gone. <laughs> yeah, and, like, making crap, probably making jokes about different things that happened on set. But yeah. nothing about, like, I, how they came up with the design for the I could not find or... anything about yeah. that. And, like, that's really becoming more and more common with stuff like this is, like, there's not as much strange, like, writing by the seat of your pants and stuff like that. Like, compare this to, to last time when we had Jaws, like, right. where they were literally writing the script the day before shooting, and right. the shark kept exploding. And Well, I mean, a big part of that is just because of the the, the way Hollywood works now. Right. They've got it down to a science. Yeah, yeah, And the even the, the disaster movies are have a general, like, disaster production. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a cookie-cutter kind of situation. Um, and especially when you start removing, like with monster movies, when you start removing the practical effects element yeah. out of it, that removes a lot of the behind-the-scenes craziness. Uh, yeah, where we're, practical effects can't go wrong and they have to shoot around it because it costs like two-thirds of the budget to, to do this creature and, you know, you can't I mean, redo it. <laughs> right. But I would really have loved to see, like, and, and I'm sure if I dug a little bit deeper, I probably could find it. But, you mm-hmm. know, I want to see the concept art for this yeah. thing. I want to see the development of this thing. But I couldn't find anything, so... It, I mean, if you're looking for what inspired it, it's probably uh, a sea angel. Those, like, deep sea, uh, sub-arctic creatures that have, like, the little wingalings and stuff like that. They look like little peg game board pegs with wings on them yeah no they're, they're really cool creatures but i mean that's based i'm sure that's what partially inspired this guy oh absolutely uh when you when you draw that con- like comparison you can really see it yeah but um but yeah not a whole lot else there so we'll just jump right into this okay uh the movie opens up with um just some like meteors or they call it debris in the movie just kind of wrecking some space equipment stuff smacking into other stuff yep um, and then we are introduced to the International Space Station and some of our crew and uh, main cast. It, it's kind of funny having like the International Space Station be such a big part of this and have Russia be such a big part of this, considering that Russia is planning on pulling out of the ISS in 2024 yeah. and launching their own 
better space station. <laughs> yeah. If I, that actually ends up happening, I like... I, I ended up... Like, one of the things, too, that I do on the... Like, obviously, I, one of the things I do is I, I dive through IMDb and just love to see all of the wild shit uh-huh. that people claim. talk about and claim yeah. and whatever. And normally I avoid the goofs part because those are not fun to me. Right. But this time I went ahead and read through them and there were a lot of like, oh, scientific inaccuracies and yeah, yeah. space inaccuracies and what, what, you know, the usual standard. You can't hear things in space. And it's like, well, it's a movie. Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> um, but one of the things that they did mention that I, I thought was interesting and I don't know why was like how they missed this. Uh, and, and to be fair, I didn't do a whole lot of research into mm-hmm. it as well just to, to verify, but uh, in the movie, they claim that uh, China, they use China as one of the main three countries right. that helped fund this thing. Whereas apparently in real life, China was not allowed on the ISS for uh-huh. a lot, long time. Like they didn't really do a whole lot with that. But yeah. so I don't know why that change was made or why that was brought it's, up. But yeah, it's very other strange. Than, other than you just have to remember movie universes are not the same as our real life universe. Yeah. Well, the technology in this one is a little different and well, it, stuff like that. This also takes place in the future. Yeah. It's supposed to take in like place in like the mid 2030s, 2040s. Yeah. I, I forget exactly when. It doesn't specify in the movie, but whatever. Um, so yeah, you just have to kind of take every, all of the scientific stuff with a, or I guess the historical stuff with a grain of salt. And then the scientific stuff, you just, you have to do the typical yeah. sci-fi horror, throw it out the window, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's whatever. Um, but we start off with quarantine officer Miranda North, play, played by Rebecca Ferguson, um, expositing that they've been waiting for months to receive a space capsule that contains a soil sample from Mars. But it was damaged, as we saw, and has veered off course a bit. And so a man named Rory Adams, played by Ryan Reynolds, is going to grab the sucker. Yep. He's going to grab the sucker with a, a space arm that he has to be outside to do for whatever reason. Because of reasons. Yeah. So he initiates a spacewalk. It's it's really just an, an, a, a device to introduce us to the concept of the spacewalk in <laughs> That this space movie. exists. <laughs> um, and, uh, in case we didn't know. Yeah. So he, he initiates the spacewalk to, to get the capsule. Um, Reynolds was originally supposed to be the lead mm-hmm. in the movie, but uh, due to scheduling conflicts with the hitman's bodyguard, he was end up cast as Rory instead. Uh-huh. So, um, which... You can definitely tell, like, I remember watching the trailers for this movie, and you're like, oh, he's going to be a big part of yeah, this. Yeah, he's and all over it. He's out uh, at minute 39. Yeah, he's, uh, spoiler alert, he is the first casualty, so. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he, had to, he had to go do other things. He was busy. Right? Which was surprising to me when I was watching the yeah, trailers. Yeah, I, I remember but... we were, when we were watching that, we are like, wow, they really blew their Ryan Reynolds load, like, quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Rory does the dang thing. He catches the capsule. Everybody's happy. Um... We then get a scene with uh, Hugh Derry, played by Orion Bakare, who's vo- uh, who voiced uh, Gregan, one of the lizard aliens in Jupiter Ascending. Fucking sure, whatever, man. <laughs> He's studying. That's not one of the things I remember from that movie. I didn't. I don't recall lizard aliens. Yeah, they were like the. Um, uh, they were like Eddie Redmayne's like right hand man guy. Sure thing, dude. <laughs> I, I what I remember is. Uh, main character wants to fuck a dog man and there are bees and like that's what I remember from that movie <laughs> Sean Bean the bee man yeah Sean, Sean Beeman Bean. <laughs> that movie's incredible it really anyway. is <laughs> but uh, anyway anyway um 
But yeah, uh, he was studying the samples and discovers an inert cell that is unlike anything seen on Earth. Mm-hmm. So they he finds definitive life off Mars. Yep. Um, he ends up coaxing the cell back to life uh, by exposing it to a similar atmosphere conditions to, then, uh, to Mars. And they have discovered life. Title drop. Uh, we learn that seven days later, we get a scene with some kids, um, some like eight to 12 year old kids asking different questions about the discovery. And we learn a few space facts about the ISS, uh, including that, uh, character David Jordan played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Justy Jake. Yep. Has been on the station for well over a year at this point. And, Uh uh, and we find out later on when he's doing a, uh, he's getting a physical that his body is starting to atrophy and he needs to go back to earth. But he, he explains that he doesn't, he doesn't want to. He likes being in space better. Uh huh. Um, he's but got the, reasons that I didn't really extrapolate on. Yeah, and like I guess his radiation levels are starting to get dangerously high. And yeah, yeah. But like, no matter how many of these roles and how many Mysterios Jake Gyllenhaal plays, he's going to be for me. He's going to be two things: Donnie Darko, yep. and uh, Chesty Jake Gyllenhaal as the Prince of Persia. <laughs> And that is this man's legacy. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because he's not a really good actor. He is. <laughs> but he's always going to be Donnie Darko in The Prince of Persia, a role he should not have taken. Yep. And, well, it's funny, too, because when I remember, I remember watching the trailer for this movie and I was like, oh, Ryan Reynolds. And it, for whatever reason, did, I never just kind of latched on that Jake Gyllenhaal was even uh-huh. in this movie. Even while I was watching it, I, yeah, never, yeah. I never really, like, snapped to that. And then, like, later on, I was like, Jake Gyllenhaal's in life. And I was like, he what? Oh, fuck, he was! <laughs> <laughs> He's a very, like, stealth actor in a lot of things. That, mm-hmm. like... Well, and his performance in this is very subdued. It's very subdued. It's not he, bad. It's just subdued. Yeah, and you're used to him kind of bulking up a little bit. Like, even when he was was Mysterio in Spider-Man, like, he's a little bulkier than right. he is. And in this one, he's supposed to be, like, all atrophied and kind of sickly looking. But uh, some interesting facts about these kids, uh, because these are child actors... Oh, yeah. And these kids are played by Alan McLean, Jesus Delorden, and Layla Grace. Um, McLean would go on to be in a bunch of children-friendly productions like Sesame Street and such. Uh, Grace would actually go on to be in more adult-oriented films and TV. And Delorden, well, he started by voicing young Simba in the 1997 musical adaptation of The Lion King. And then in later in 2017, uh, according to IMDb, would be on stage and sing a minor part in the finale of the musical Kinky Boots yeah. by Cyndi Lauper and Harvey Fierstein at the Supper Club in New York known as 54 Below. Hell yeah, Kinky Boots rules. <laughs> yeah, there's a video on YouTube of him with these like two other kids uh-huh. singing this, and it was just, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um we, we see that uh, there was a contest uh, held for a single school in America to name the alien, and they name the, the alien based off their school. Yep. Uh, they choose the name Calvin. So we've got a name for our alien. At least, I have to say, at least they didn't name it a- Adam. Yeah. Because, like, I... Yeah, that yeah. would be a... That would have been on the nose pretty hard. Yeah. But I like Calvin. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get the scene with Miranda giving David a physical... Um, we also learn that Hugh, the uh, the doctor who is um, kind of analyzing the, the status, yeah, leading yeah, the research on, yeah, on he it. is paralyzed from the waist down, mm-hmm. which um, I I was hoping to see a little bit like how they did the the effect because like there's a few scenes with him in just his like boxer shorts and his legs are 
gritty atrophy. Yeah. Like, there's no muscle there. And that's, I mean, it's probably done through CG, but it, 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 it's a good effect. It looks mm-hmm. good. Um, but, I mean, this just makes it, like, a good job for him because he's in space, doesn't need to use his legs. <laughs> so. Um, so then we cut to day 12, um, and Calvin has multiplied and grown. Uh, and each cell within this mass can, they learn, can take on any role as needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a muscle, it could be an eye, it could be a whatever it needs at the time. Um, it has also started to react to outside stimuli, such as interacting with Hugh's fingers. He kind of pokes and prods it. And it, like, pokes him back. Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, Cho Murakami, uh, who's played by Hiroyuki Sanada, uh, who uh, was in Bullet Train, oh, Adventure's yeah. Endgame, the newer Mortal Kombat... Oh, and he also voiced uh, the sumo villain in Minions. Great. Um, though he was also in a 1987 Japanese movie known as Hisatsu 4, Irami um, Harashimasu, but uh, it's listed in <laughs> on IMDb as Sure Death Revenge. Nice. So that was fun. Yeah. But he watches his wife give birth live on over. Midnight Pulp to watch. <laughs> I have to see. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's watching on a tablet as his wife gives birth to a baby girl. Yep. So he's a new father. Yay for him. Um, Katrina Golovikina, uh, or Kat, uh, played by Olga, here we go, um, Dikoviknaya. 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 Um, she gifts show a copy of Goodnight Moon. At this point, I'm pretty sure that Goodnight Moon has been used in more horror properties than as a straight kid's book. <laughs> this is the second Creature Crunch movie that it's in. Yeah. So. And last year I read a... a uh, book of, that was about like somebody being haunted by the ghost of the writer of the book and because <laughs> she was a really interesting figure in and of herself Margaret sure. Weiss Brown yeah but yeah it's just like it, it's such an That's unassuming funny. book that it gets used all the time in horror stuff it's kind of like twinkle twinkle little star right and, right yeah like yeah. I don't know why and and again this is another thing where it's in the movie proper, it doesn't really come up much. Like, it, no. it's gifted here, and then a little bit later, it's brought up again. But in the trailer... In the trailer, it's all <laughs> in the, over. In the trailer, it was like, this is going to be the focus. It's like, yeah. what? It's very strange. Like, that's a, that's a bizarre thing to focus upon. I mean, it, it does have an air of, like, kind of creepiness, depending on the... You know, in this context. Right. When you know what the movie is about. But still, it's weird. But, um, anyway, uh, we see David playing with an advanced motion capture tech. To introduce these little motion trackers that right. they have. Um, and uh, we cut to the lab where Calvin climbs up on Hugh's finger and gives him a little hug. Uh-huh. Um, then we skip ahead to day 25 where something happens in the lab and Rory has to rush to, in to assist. Rory seems to be kind of like the maintenance guy. Yeah, he describes himself as like from a long line of plumbers and stuff like that. So he's kind of just like the, the cleanup crew here. Yeah. 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 He even says, he's like, I'm not Space qualified. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not qualified to do, to, you know, do any you of know, the science stuff. He's, yeah. He's mostly there for engineering and, right. um, you know, so he, he goes in to, res- to respond. Um, and it, it would, it would appear that Hugh had made some sort of mistake somewhere and didn't catch a potential malfunction. Like, I guess one of the, the valves was, got loose or something like that. Something yeah, like some, that. Something science-y. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh is, uh, berated by, uh, quarantine officer Miranda, um, because, you know, 
this is expensive equipment, and we she really stresses the fact that the lab is meant to be quarantined. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, she calls them firewalls. There's there's two firewalls in place. There's yeah. this containment box that you can study that Calvin's the, in. That yeah. Calvin's in that you can study this stuff, and then there's the lab because they realize that I guess they had the foresight to think that like there might very well be, like, living things on Mars. They probably were thinking more, like, bacteria and viruses right, right. and stuff. Well, even at that, it's like, okay, you, they've discovered, like, an actual life form from another planet. Who knows, like, if we can make it sick or if it can make us sick. There's right. No, 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 no it, 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 it makes complete scientific yeah. sense where you would have this section of this lab, this this quarantine section. Mm-hmm. And redundancies where yeah, if absolutely. something goes wrong, they can fall back in area. Yeah, but she berates him because she's like, you know, this is so important you need to triple check everything before and after you are in there. Uh-huh. Um, and we learn, like, as they're arguing, because uh, Rory is also kind of berating Calvin for it, because he's like, I am not qualified to be in there. Yeah. I, I shouldn't even be near that thing. For all I know, we're carrying anthrax on board. You can't compare Calvin to anthrax. Yeah, I know, at least five guys back home who can do my job. Nobody can do yours except you. I don't want to be around that thing. I'm not qualified to be around that thing. I understand. I'm just Good. saying you can't compare Calvin to Anthrax. Stop, stop calling it fucking Calvin. We don't know what that thing is. Yeah? <laughs> and Hugh, we learned that Hugh is actually very protective of Calvin. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, they, they made a few comments earlier in the movie, like, oh, you're a father now. And yeah, there's going to be a hell of like, a custody battle. <laughs> yeah, and it almost feels like uh, like Hugh has kind of taken that to heart a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you um, keep treating that thing like it's your buddy. It's not. I'm your buddy. I'm your Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, later on, they find out that Calvin has stopped virtually all activity in response to this malfunction. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened, it put they, they determined that Calvin went into like a hibernation as a it, self-defense mechanism. Yeah, it like changed the air quality in his little cube container. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this, Miranda kind of reflects her unease on how fast Calvin has been growing. And she's mm-hmm. even like, I'm kind of glad it's dormant now yeah. because... I was starting to get wigged out by this thing. It's my job to make sure the thing's contained, and it's growing very, very fast. Uh, but despite her trepidations, Hugh decides to give Calvin a small electroshock to try to re-stimulate it with this yeah. little, like, scientific like, give cattle it, Essentially defibrillate it. Mm-hmm. And after a few attempts, Calvin responds by grabbing Hugh's hand and giving him a, a real big hug. <laughs> Calvin has learned violence. Yeah, yeah. Calvin didn't like being shocked. Um, it grabs onto Hugh's hand, squeezes it, and it even breaks oh. the uh, it breaks the, uh, the the equipment that that he was using. This yeah, little, like the, he calls it. He just keeps calling it a wand, like this little electrical yeah. wand thing. Um, and as everybody is arguing about whether to go in and help him or not. You know, a quarantine officer is saying, no, we can't go in yeah. there. We cannot break this quarantine. Everybody else is arguing, no, we need to go in there and help him. Um, but after uh, after a bit, Calvin just straight up just turns Hugh's bones to... to it pulps his hand. Yeah, yeah it just turns in his, his bones gross. to dust. Breaks the shit out of his hand while the rest of the crew, the crew just continue to argue. Um, and Hugh ends up passing out from the pain and kind of starts floating away. And Calvin uses the broken electric wand thing to tear one of the gloves open and escape from that first firewall. Yep, so Calvin is free. And we learn that at that point, Calvin is smart. Yeah. Like, very smart. Um, Calvin starts exploring the lab. It ends up killing the lab rat that's in there. Um, and Rory he drinks uses, it like a milkshake. 
Yeah, it just kind of wraps around it and just starts dissolving it. It's horrific. Um, Rory uses this distraction as, a, uh, as an opportunity to break quarantine and get Hugh out. Um, they, they throw him out there, but before he can escape, uh, Calvin wraps around his leg and the crew have to lock him in. Ryan Reynolds tells him, you're not getting out of this movie before I am. <laughs> I have business. Yeah. Um, Kat suggests getting an oxygen candle to burn Calvin off of his leg. And these uh, these oxygen candles are like these little... What the hell are they? I don't know. Like, It's implied later in the movie that they literally give off oxygen. Yeah. But they're like, I guess, superheated too. Like, I don't know I don't if they're know supposed what the hell to... they are. Yeah, I don't know if they're supposed to be just like light sources like, or... Let's see if they're actual things. I would be shocked if they are. No, they are. Oh, wow. Oxygen candles providing emergency air. Uh, an oxygen candle is a device which produces oxygen when breathable air is scarce. So they literally just burn non-oxygen to make oxygen. I mean, shows how little I know, I guess. Yeah, I, I'd never really heard of these things before this movie, but I guess they're real. I mean, the, I imagine that these movie, the movie portrays them as oh, a little yeah. bit more sci-fi than, where you, than real ones, but still. So yeah, um, he takes an oxygen candle and he, uh, he, he touches it to Calvin and mm-hmm. Calvin, you know, climb, gets off yeah. um, and Rory asks for permission to kill it. Uh, and the crew, especially since he was unconscious, are like, yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> do there's it. no arguments really. Yeah, just do it. This thing's crazy. Yep. So they decide to use an incinerator to do so because, you know, having an open flame on a space station is a good idea, but whatever. Yeah, there's an awful lot of flames on this space station. <laughs> um, but Calvin is really nimble and seems to be pretty resistant, so yeah. uh, it, as Rory is flamethrowering at this thing, um, he ends up running out of fuel because he's starting to get really, really panicked. Uh, and Calvin, after that attacks Rory and slips inside his mouth in the most gruesome it's death scene nasty. in the movie yeah. and kills him from the inside while, again, everybody outside begins arguing about whether to break quarantine to help him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, after he's dead and they're like, well, we need. I guess we'll just keep Calvin in there. We can't break this quarantine. Right. But the incinerator bumps into the, si- the uh, fire suppression system and sets it off. And Calvin emerges from Rory's body oh, quite a bit larger, larger than when it went yeah. in and tries to slip into the now open vents. Uh, for, for whatever reason, they can only close the vents one at a time. And uh, as they're closing them before it can get to each one, uh, they're, they're kind of racing against him eventually. Unfortunately, he does slip through the vents and gets into the station itself. Cat tries to alert mission control, but seems to be unable to do so uh, due to a communication system failure. Uh, they they suspect that like at least part of the message probably got out, but mm-hmm. it did get cut off. And uh, they determine that Cat has to do a spacewalk to fix the comms. Uh, David suggests abandoning the ship and escape pods, but Miranda tells him no and gives kind of a little bit of a. We 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 get a sense that there's something else. Yeah. going on like Miranda's kind of cagey about something and is this where she mentions the third firewall or is that later it's later okay. she doesn't say it right now but she hints at it she's okay. like you oh, know we all signed up for this or something she says something about signing paperwork and David's just like wait what but it's not really resolved right now mm-hmm. so um Kat goes out and um does the the spacewalk I I think that Kat and David are supposed to be in some sort of relationship yeah that's the feeling I got um 
we don't really they don't, the movie doesn't really extrapolate on that and it doesn't force it down our throats which i no. appreciate it's just kind of there Into it that, seems yeah. simple it's pretty subtle but um cat goes out there and discovers that the comm system overheated because the coolant is bone dry yeah um and they determine collectively that calvin must have consumed it for sustenance because like any other organism it needs to you know eat mm-hmm. drink and breathe and it seems like he can eat pretty much anything yeah it, it's not that anything that he can get inside of his old mouth mm-hmm. and uh so it probably consumed all of the the, the coolant and mm-hmm. might be looking for more food and water yeah uh and they even mentioned like the coolant in the spacesuits would be and you know it might be going after those and sure as shit it comes you know screaming out of the the coolant tank and wraps around cat's leg um she ends up putting, like, sealing the coolant tank while it's outside of the ship and then begins to head back to the airlock as quick as she can because I, I, I don't know what their plan is, but she wants to get back inside. Mm-hmm. But then she notices that her helmet begins to fill with coolant because Calvin seems to have broken the loop inside the suit. Yeah. This entire scene with, with Kat doing the spacewalk while drowning is pretty intense yeah it is and this this bit this uh her suit filling with this coolant is apparently inspired by a real life incident that happened on the iss where an astronaut luca paramitano um had something similar happen in 2013 although the real life incident wasn't nearly as serious he didn't drown or anything but his ears and nose did fill with water and his vision was obstructed and communication was even briefly cut off he couldn't communicate i mean like I said, it was a minor incident, yeah. but there is a little bit of precedence to this. So, um, just like that's not something you think about is someone drowning in space. Uh-huh. Like, it's a unique. It's it's scary. <laughs> it is the thought of drowning in your own spacesuit is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Not just <laughs> losing hair, but drowning. <laughs> but um, David heads to the airlock to help her um, with the intent of killing Calvin and saving her. But, you know, she deliberately prevents David from opening the airlock yeah. as she drowns. And before she drifts off into space, Calvin jumps from her body onto the station. Um, uh, Hugh kind of proposes that they leave Calvin outside until it dies. Yeah. Like, they, he's already impressed at how long it can stay alive in the vacuum of space. Like, but it, it can't do it forever. Yeah, it, it still does need air. It's, it's carbon-based. Mm-hmm. It's going to require oxygen and food and everything that we need, basically. Yeah. Even if it gets it in a different way. Yes. So they're like, we'll just leave it out there. But they're like, well, is there any other way for it to get in? And they realize that the only other external um, kind of entry is through the thrusters. Mm -hmm. So they start watching the the temperature gauges on the thrusters uh, because they kind of figure that if Calvin starts going through one, the temperature is going to spike a little bit and they can fire that thruster real quick to keep it out. Right. Um, They do this for a time, but they very rapidly run out of fuel for those thrusters mm-hmm. and they realize that their start their orbit orbit is starting to decay yeah they, it, this all of the thrusting around in random directions is throwing them off orbit and the station is now going to enter the atmosphere and show needs the remaining fuel what literally has left to set it right again yeah so uh especially since they can't guarantee that calvin will die on re-entry right they it survived a lot at this point yeah they're like well we've already seen it survive the fire and you know burning from the incinerator and it's clearly more durable than we anticipated who knows if re-entry will kill it or not Mm -hmm. um and they determine that it's not worth the risk they just need to go ahead and let 
Calvin back in instead of risking it getting to Earth. Right. Um, and he even says, he's like, David, we can't risk Calvin riding us down into the atmosphere, okay? And I don't know if he could survive that. We, we, we don't know. It's already gone well beyond what any living organism should be able to survive. Clearly, he hasn't heard of tardigrades, but that's, an, that's another story. Um, I have to wonder how much of, of Calvin was based on, like, okay, what if a tardigrade could get big? <laughs> and hostile. Yeah. What if we made a tardigrade mad? <laughs> Just kept poking at it with something until it <laughs> right? fucking snapped and bit. <laughs> One thing that I did pick up on this movie the second time through watching it that I didn't on the first time was... Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem very, very concerned about it getting to Earth. Like, right. they do not want this thing to get to Earth. And I guess maybe because, like, they still don't understand, like, maybe it's, if it's toxic or carry yeah. kind of thing. But it's, like, so far it has not exhibited any methodology of spreading, like, like, you think of, like, The Thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, clearly this thing, if it does get to a populated area, it's freaking game over. Right. Whereas this creature is, I mean, obviously very dangerous, but it's not, like, a virus as far as we've seen. Yeah, it hasn't shown any signs of reproducing until maybe a scene at the end. Right, right. So, it's, like, they're super concerned with getting it to Earth, it getting to Earth, because they're, like, oh, God, we can't let that happen. And it's just, like, and I was, like, the second time around, I was going, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it might be bad. But they could probably get it contained, Yeah, I would imagine. But then again, they, they do notice it. it's growing pretty rapidly. It's, so. it's getting big now. Yeah, and it seems to be getting bigger based off of how much damage it does to, like, I guess how much it feeds, really. Right. But whatever. Um, but in, so, like I said, they, they end up deciding we need to just let this thing back on. We can't. Right. We can't risk it getting to Earth. Um, Not just that, but if we get into re-entry without being prepared for, we're probably going to die too. Yeah. Which uh, we're trying to avoid at this point. <laughs> uh, Hugh suggests getting everybody into like a single chamber and venting the rest of the station. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like draining it, shutting off the life support in an effort to force Calvin into hibernation. Back, back into the same like hibernate, hibernative state before they, you know, poked him with a cattle prod. Yep. Um, as they're sealing off the rooms with duct tape and tarp. <laughs> and they have like nail guns and like yeah like i'm not sure how well that was gonna work out but you know they've and they've got bulkheads and stuff that they're closing those uh-huh. are probably a little bit matter maybe the maybe the tarp was meant to keep the life support in i don't know how, how that works <laughs> whatever um but they're they're working on this and we see uh hugh notices calvin zip through one of the like up the hallway pretty close yeah. um and right after that, he starts acting fatigued and just generally unwell. Uh, he ends up getting real philosophical right before passing out. It's just surviving. Life's very existence requires destruction. Calvin doesn't hate us. But he has to kill us. Yeah, yeah. And they end up defibrillating him and discover that Calvin was wrapped around his leg this entire time, ever since uh, ever since he saw it. You know, it's it's been a little bit of time they've been... They, they notice, like, oh, his leg's kind of bigger than it used to be, and, and it's moving. It's it, moving. He's not supposed <laughs> to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, they, they rip open his, his suit, and they discover, yeah, Calvin's wrapped around his, his paralyzed leg. And, and he's been on it. Feeding on it. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty gruesome. Yep. And Calvin has a face now. Yeah. 
Kind of a face. Kind of. It's like a little bat face without yeah. eyes or nose. Like, um, picture that. I always, <laughs> also transparent. See, I always picture, like, you know the like the really cheap, like, ghost Halloween decorations where it's like a ball with a sheet over it and then you twist the, the sheet oh, at the yeah. base? To me, it reminds me of that. Kind especially of, yeah. with, like, the wrinkles, but... It, like, they had to have gone to some undersea life, like, deep deep water life for a lot of designs for, for Calvin. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, there's some freaky shit down there. Yes, there is. <laughs> and when you when you want a creature that can survive in extreme conditions, yeah. that's where you look. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Especially in, like, a zero-G, like, environment, because, like, well, they already kind of move in that sort of environment, so. Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. But the way it's just, like, transparent, and it doesn't have real eyes, and it's got like wing-ish things but they're also kind of Finnish yeah not like the country but like <laughs> in relating to Finns <laughs> Finn adjacent yeah Finn, there you go Finn adjacent Finn-esque Finn um, not finesse that's different <laughs> although Calvin does exhibit quite a bit of finesse finesse but not not a lot of Finnish no no um Show, uh, show retreats to his bunk while David and Miranda escape into another compartment because Calvin goes aggro yeah. pretty quick. Uh, they have taught Calvin violence. Yeah. He learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they even discuss, like, they're, they're talking at one point about Calvin and saying, like, Calvin isn't evil, it's just trying to survive. And its survival just happens to mean our demise. Well, yeah. And like I said, like, one of the first things they taught it was violence when they... They didn't mean to, but they, they did poke this thing with an electrical shock to wake it out of a nap. Yeah. That's going to make it like, oh, this is what you do. You hurt things. If you if you shock me out of a nap, I'm going to be grumpy too, I guess. Yeah. Well, imagine like the first thing you did to a baby was shock it to wake. <laughs> and then made, like the baby was made out of knives. And very smart. Yeah. <laughs> very smart. Very big. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, show. Show retreats to his bunk. It's like this little, almost like a life support pod mm-hmm. kind of thing that they sleep in. Um, and he closes it up. And Calvin looks for a way into his bunk, um, but when it can't find one, it begins squeezing the bunk. Yeah, and, you, it really gives a uh, example of how strong Calvin's getting because yeah. like the glass starts to crack or like the plexiglass or whatever. It yeah, is. it looks like it's gonna break, and and you can tell like Show even is pretty sure he's going to die. Yeah, like he, you can see it in his face. He's like, "This he is turns it." And he turns and he looks at the picture of his wife and newborn, and newborn. daughter, and he's just like, "Well, I'm fucked. See you, kid." Yeah, <laughs> but suddenly Calvin just stops yeah. and decides to go away. Um, and it, it turns out that Miranda and David had returned to Hugh, who was looking pretty rough. Um, and then he does the asshole thing and dies after they li- like they unstrap him and uh-huh. lift him up and yeah, and then he's just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, the, I'm gonna do the dick thing and die." But they use his body as kind of a uh, a distraction or as bait. Mm-hmm. Um, so Calvin quickly goes back to Hugh and attacks him again. Um, and then as they are hiding in another compartment, they've sealed away. Uh, they discover that Calvin swallowed the tracker on Hugh's leg and is now traceable. So they can keep an eye on the sucker. That, that's good. A little late, but that's good. Um, they use Hugh's body as a, a lure again and... Uh, lure Calvin into a specific spot. Uh, Calvin does some bad things to Hugh's body. Just eating it. Yeah. And they lock it away and begin venting the oxygen in this chamber. Um, and then suddenly they realize that a pod from Earth is beginning to dock with the station as they determine that Kat's distress call earlier, at least part of it, did actually get through. Get through. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and this is where we get the, the third firewall stuff. Yeah, because they, they realize that, well, first off, they realize that it happens to be docking on the same compartment that Calvin is in. Which is not good for the people inside that Yeah, And David is like, no, we can't let them help us. We, we need them to not do this. And then we get the reveal that, yeah, this, this third firewall that Miranda was like, no, they're not helping us. They're pushing us out into space. They are yeah. getting rid of us because they this can't, they can't get down to yeah, Earth. Like, the third firewall is the space station. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of like, I'm able to suspend a lot of disbelief. I mean, there have been a lot of things up to this point yeah. in the movie. Like, you know, the quarantine lab would not have vents that go to the rest of the system, the rest of the station. There wouldn't be an incinerator on this station. There's, you know, all these other things that I'm like, I'm able to just be like, eh, it's just a movie until this part. Oh, this, yeah. this gets me. It's like, you would not sign a bunch of people up for a mission without telling them there was a possibility that they would not come back. Right. Like, there's no there's no way. Like, you would you would get people, doctors, scientists, whoever, engineers, whatever. You would get people who are like, I am dedicated enough to the safety of the Earth that if things go bad, uh-huh. we're not going to do anything to try to get back. Yeah, yeah. And, and it does kind of seem a little out of character where David is like, Oh no, they're gonna rescue us. Oh god, we gotta do something. And then she's like, No, they're not here to rescue us, and he's just like <gasps> What? Yeah, he gets really it's, affronted by that. Yeah, it's like, it's like, dude, you were just no You were just it, saying that you didn't want to be rescued. Like, don't get mad that they're not going to rescue you. Yeah, <laughs> and you had this whole bit where it's like, I don't want to go back to Earth. I I yeah. prefer being in space, and it's just I don't well, know. Well look how that's working out for you, fuckhead. Yeah, it, Jake Jillen Hall know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a little I guess this is where my suspension of disbelief starts to break down, mm-hmm. but fortunately it's swept away pretty quick. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> along with the people driving the, <laughs> the pod. Yeah, because uh, thinking that they're being rescued, Sho realizes that there's this pod here. He ends up leaving his be- his bunk and heading into the pod and in- inadvertently freeing Calvin. He has no idea where it is. Nope. Um, Calvin immediately kills the two people in the pod. Oh, God, just, just rips them apart. Shreds. Yeah. And the attack causes the pod to detach, and, you know, we get explosive decompression, where uh, it begins to pull everything out, um, ultimately including the show, but mm-hmm. not Calvin. Yeah. Uh, this also seems to cause a huge chain reaction that does some significant damage to the station. Like and the pod gets knocked free, and it smashes into one of the solar uh, plates, and that crashes into the space station itself, and now the thing's just... Incomplete freefall. Yeah, yeah. It's the station begins uh, going into decaying orbit once again, and they they're talking about it. They're like, "We're not going to survive reentry," but again, Calvin might. He yeah. could. We don't know. So while kind of waiting around in in despair, like all is lost and life support systems are shutting down. They're, they're freezing to death. They start freezing to death. Um, David recovers Goodnight Moon and reads from it a little bit. In a, in, and I and I swear to God, the scene of him reading from it in the movie is shorter than it was in the, in the trailer, trailer. I swear. Yeah. But, That's because he only reads like three lines in the movie, and he goes through like half the book in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night, Moon. Good night, Moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Good night, light, and the red balloon. Good night, nobody.
But uh, while reading it, he comes up with the the idea, a plan to lure Calvin into one of the two remaining escape pods. Apparently, there's only two remaining. Right. I have to hope that the other ones were destroyed because he does say there are only two and they each accommodate one person. So I have to hope that the other four were destroyed <laughs> in this and they didn't just send them up in a space station with, with two. only two pods. But, that would be really jacked up. <laughs> then again, they also didn't tell any of these people that they might not come home. For so. reals, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he, he says that if they, he can hold the thing and do the thing, then the pod will miss re-entry and head out into space because they're programmed to head They're, to they're Earth, programmed but, to go to a specific location on Earth. But you can manually override them by holding the control stick, which, sure. Yeah, he, he has to he has to press the button for manual uh, manual override. Yeah. And then he has to hold the joystick in order to divert to it away. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the plan is that he's going to lure Calvin into this, do the thing, and send yeah. him and Calvin out in deep space. While Miranda uses the second pod to return to Earth. He's right. going to save her. Uh, and the plan goes off without a hitch. Yay! Oh, wait, no. It doesn't, no. no. Um, Miranda's pod, uh, after they do this, like, um, <laughs> I started taking loose notes here because it's like, whatever. Um, you know, they use the, the oxygen the, candles yeah. to, uh, to lure Calvin. And, and Calvin just drinks those things like a little slushy. <laughs> because he's, he, he needs air. He's, he's a, he needs breathing. <laughs> he's, what's the, it's not thirsty. Um. <laughs> oxygen deprived? <Yeah>. that? <laughs> Yeah. He's thirsty, but for, like, air. He's, he's air thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> he starts sucking on him like a like a popsicle on a hot summer day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's lured into the pod with with uh, David, and they fire off. Um, and as they're leaving, Miranda's pod is hit by some more debris. She's, like, smashed through one of the, other, one of the solar panels. Um, and then, uh, but after leaving a black box recording, um, and we also see that like, as uh, David is trying to hold the control stick, you know, the joystick so that he diverts, Calvin, again, being super, super smart, yeah, looks I, like it's... How the hell is Calvin smart enough to know what he was trying to do? Right. I, I guess maybe an argument could be made that, like, Calvin realizes he's doing something, and he knows that... Calvin knows that David's motivations are uh, contrary to his own, so he's like, you're trying to do something? I don't want you to do that. I don't know what's going to do, but I don't want you to do it. It's, it's very... It's... That's the part where it kind of lost me. It's like, Calvin yeah. shouldn't know. Right. But Calvin holds his hand and, and keeps the, uh, the the joystick steady. Um, and, oh, but it, it would seem that things would work out anyway. Oh, wait. No, they don't. Um, <laughs> because we... And, it, and it's interesting, too, because I remember watching in theaters, this scene, like, even though you see what's going on in both of the pods, mm -hmm. you know, um, Miranda's pod is shaking around. She's getting thrown around. Uh, and David's pod is being held still, and he can't do the thing. Yeah, it's still edited to that you think that it, it's still it's ambiguous still as to which one. Land. Yeah, so you're like you're like the entire time you're not convinced that it went one way or the other. Right. It's just kind of like I don't know. But the uh, one of the pods gets sent off into space. Yeah. The other one lands on Earth into the water, and a pair of Vietnamese fishermen see this pod. And this is where the the subtitles in the version I was watching kind of pissed me off. Why is that? <laughs> because it doesn't translate what the people are saying. It oh. just says, speaks Vietnamese. Yeah. And it's like, come on. Fucking come on. Yeah. Either don't put a subtitle at all, or actually translate what they're saying. Right. Like, don't just put, speaks a language. I don't. Like, come on. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's supposed to... Subtitles are meant... Those closed caption subtitles are meant for the uh, the hearing impaired. Yeah. So, it's just meant to be like... I it know, doesn't matter still. what they're saying. It's just... That's the only reason I knew they were Vietnamese. But anyway, <laughs> they, they head over to investigate, and they open the hatch to a horror factory. Yeah, and this is where it's kind of, sort of hinted that maybe Calvin can spread, because there's a lot more of him in there than there was previously. Yeah, it's like a freaking latticework of, like, yeah. goo and things. I don't really know. Although Jake Gyllenhaal is still somehow alive in the middle yeah, of he, that. He's very distressed. Yeah, he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and Miranda, who suddenly realizes what's happening, is screaming, screaming as she's this flying is off into deep like, space. Sca- that's, that scares me. That, like, no, that is terrifying. That is awful. That is horrific. It's being buried alive in space. Like, yeah. Oh. Um, and the movie ends, and the moral of the story is that life is bad. Yep. And squishy. <laughs> so yeah, that's that was life. Um, not much to the movie, all, all things it's considered. It's a pretty straightforward, simple, like, closed box movie. Like, mm-hmm. you have a cast of, like, six people, and they're in space. Someone makes one mistake, and it causes the end of life on Earth. Right. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Aw, <laughs> oh, nuggets. But, like, the, the entire, like, driving premise of the movie is, like, how fast one mistake can steamroll and, like, snowball and, like, just completely wreck everything. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for Hugh, like, forgetting to check the valves that one time, it might have been okay. Yeah. Like, they could have more controlled what Calvin's growth would have done vented him if they needed to. They could have learned more about him. Learned more about him, not shocked him and taught him how to kill. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Not had a broken tool in there that he could use to break out. Um, Yeah. No, it's very much a... Yeah. And and, and the thing that I like is that it is simple mistakes. Yeah. None of these mistakes are the type where you're just sitting in the movie theater watching this movie going, screaming at the screen, like, don't do that, you idiot. Hugh made the mistake because he was so excited to learn about Calvin that he wasn't sleeping enough. Yeah. Like, that's what they say. And you see that, like, when he's going in his little nappy pod, like, he's breaking out a marker and he's drawing on the inside of his pod and making, uh, like, little calculations and stuff like that instead of sleeping. Right. So he's he's exhausted, he's tired, and he's way too excited to learn about Calvin. Mm-hmm. So he makes one mistake that just screws everything for an entire planet. Yep, pretty much. But again, it's not it's, it's not, not a, malice. It's yeah, not it's not a malice or just straight up stupidity. Yeah, it's yeah. An, it's human error. Yeah, and like and then further from that, like if they would have kept the quarantine protocols in place and just left Hugh in there, Calvin wouldn't have got out. Or the second time, if they would have, like, not had a flamethrower, a flamethrower, <laughs> and like, just leave it floating around and flaming, like Calvin would have been stuck in the quarantine. So it's like mistakes just compound upon mistakes mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 like a comedy of errors, like a Shakespeare comedy of errors, except the result instead of like, oh, I married the wrong person. It's oops, life is dead. <laughs> <laughs> All of Earth is gone. <laughs> And Miranda's shot to space. Yeah. So, yeah, very bleak, like I said. But I've, I've learned over the years that that's the kind of horror movie that I like. The bleak <laughs> ending. Because I love this movie. And, like, when you think of bleak endings, another movie that you think of is The Mist. Yeah. And I freaking adore that movie. The Mist movie, is very so. good, yeah. I just like space horror movies that aren't terrible. Fair. And, like, there's... Definitely more bad ones than good ones, unfortunately. Fair. But the good ones, where you, you're in space and bad shit happens, are fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I 
I enjoy this, and I, I really liked this movie myself. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and head on over to that crunch. Uh, so stick around for that if you want some crunch. Yeah. It's the freaky show. Take a look at the long man beating up the wrong guy. Oh man, wonder if you'll ever know. Who's in the best-selling show? Who's the life on Mars? All right, so welcome back. Um, we're going to crunch us up. Calvin. Calvin. <laughs> we're going to play Calvin Ball. Now, Chris? Yeah. Um, this one got a little, this one got away from me a little bit. Oh, no. And I, I legitimately do not like what I've come up with. <laughs> oh, shit. That, <laughs> that's a great thing to start yeah, with. Yeah, I don't, I'm not happy with this, but, um, by the time I determined that I was unhappy with it, <laughs> I were was in too deep. <laughs> I was in too deep and was like, I don't know how to fix this and I don't want to fix this right now. I might fix it later on, but I kind of want to show you what I've got. Okay. You'll see, you'll, I think the message will get across. You'll see where I was going, okay. but this thing I called the persistent life form, Okay. which I think is yeah. It is a tiny aberration and it is unaligned. Okay. It's got an armor crack, armor crass, armor crass. It's got an armor class of thirteen, but a pretty decent hit pool point at one hundred and twenty. Which that's is, a lot of hit points for a tiny thing. Yep, it's sixteen d eight plus forty eight. Um, I mean, Calvin takes punishment. I yeah. mean, we don't see a huge amount of damage happening to him in the movie. But no, like they keep saying in the movie, like how oh they've tried everything to stop him. They unsuccessfully targeted him with a flamethrower, touched a candle to him, and poked him with a prod. Well, they, I mean they. They deprived him of oxygen well, yeah, for a bit. Well, yeah, but that's not a hit point thing. That's a constitution <laughs> thing. Right. So, um, I and I did keep that in mind while I was making the stat block, but okay. I was just like, in a D&D party, most of the damage is going to be hit points. Yeah, so, yeah. it has to be hit points. Okay. Besides, he, he does have some pretty crazy constitution. because it's true. And that contributes to the hit points. So, um, it's got a speed of 30 feet. Okay. Because as near as we can tell, it doesn't actually fly or swim or anything. We don't see it doing We don't see movie. it do anything in gravity, so no. who knows. So, um, but it's... Now, its attributes are kind of interesting. With the exception of its charisma, which is a 6, uh-huh. it has 16s across the board. Okay. Has high st- 16 of strength. It's We see it in the movie. It's strong. Mm-hmm. It's dexterous. It moves around nimbly and zips around like crazy. It's crazy constitution. Like, it mm-hmm. survives cra- insane atmospheric stuff. Um... It's pretty damn smart, and it's perceptive as hell. Like, yeah. It's, like, they even say its eyes are pretty much everything. Um, so, yeah. 16's across the okay. board, plus three. Except for Constitution, which is a negative two. Charisma. Except or for Charisma. thing. Yep, Charisma is a negative two. Uh, because this thing is not winning you over in conversation. No. Um, saving... It's a weird little squid alien. Yep. So, saving throw proficiencies in strength, constitution, and dexterity. Uh, gave it a, a skill proficiency in stealth. Um, it's got damage immunities to cold and poison. Because it drinks freaking coolant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's drinking coolant, and it's surviving just fine in the uh, in the vacuum of space, which is uh, old, is known for being cold. It's, yeah, okay. So, 
Um, it's got damage resistances to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Okay. And I gave it condition immunities to blinded, charmed, deafened, and frightened. Okay. Um, it has blind, uh, yeah, it's got blind sight of 60 feet and passive perception of 13. Uh, and it, it's a challenge rating for creature. Okay. Uh, I was giving it a proficiency bonus of two. However. However. And this is where things get a little off the rails. Okay. I gave it a trait I called evolving. Every time the life form deals damage, it can make a constitution check with a DC equal to 10 plus the number of evolution points it currently has. If the life form succeeds, it gains an evolution point. Its statistics change based on how many evolution points it has, as listed below. If it has at least two evolution points, its size increases to small, and it gains a plus two bonus to strength, dexterity, constitution, and intelligence. Uh, for a new total of 18, which is plus four. Okay. Its hit point maximum increases to 152, and it regains 17 hit points immediately. Its challenge rating increases to 5, and its proficiency bonus increases to plus 1. If it has at least 6 evolution points... Wait, its proficiency bonus increases to plus 1? Or by plus 1? By plus 1. Okay. It increases to plus 3. Okay, okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, if it has at least 6 evolution points, it gains an additional plus 2 to its strength, dexterity, constitution, and intelligence scores for a new total of 20. Its health maximum increases to 204, and it regains 38 hit points immediately. This time, its challenge rating increases to 10, and its proficiency bonus is up to plus 4. Finally, if it has 10 or more evolution points, its size increases to medium. It gains an additional plus 2 to its strength, dexterity, constitution, and intelligence scores for a new total of 22, and it, its hit point maximum increases to 268, and Dang. it regains 42 hit points immediately. Its challenge rating increases to 16, its proficiency bonus then becoming plus 5, and it gains access to its legendary actions. Okay. So, there's a lot of information to keep track of. I do pity the DM that decides to try to do this. Yeah. Um, and when I when I started doing this, I was like, I can either create a stat block, a separate stat block for each one of these, like mm -hmm. kind of like I did with the turkey back in right. you know, last year. But I decided I wanted to try this instead. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. I, I like it, but I already can see a problem. And that is, this thing is going to be impossible to balance correctly. Oh, yeah. Like, that if, too. If that you too. balance it for a challenge rating four party, then if it gets a couple hits off on him and manages to evolve, then they're, they're, they're dead. They're dead. Yep. Or, it, but if you balance it for a challenge rating uh, 16 party... They're going to murder it before it has a chance to evolve. Right. And I thought about that. Okay. I did think about that. And you would want this thing to go against a, a higher level. Party. Right. Maybe not challenge rating 16 level because you want this thing at its full level to yeah. be a, quite a challenge. I would put it against a, maybe a challenge rating 10 to 12 party okay. or level or in, in that area. Um, but the thing is, at in its first few stages, mm -hmm. it has to fight smart. Yeah. It has to... Stalk its prey, single out someone, mm -hmm. deal peck damage, and then split yeah. and hide. Honestly, where you're going to want to put this thing, just based off of this ability here and what it does, is you're not going to want to put this thing in a dungeon against an isolated party. Uh -uh. You're going to want to put this thing in a town. Yeah. And have it peck off little, like, 
NPCs. Yep. And then, like, yeah. Yeah. So, that's kind but of what at I... at the same time, if the party's not seeing that happen, they then why you bother? Right. Right. <laughs> but, I don't know. I think I think a clever DM could yeah. really, really do a number with mm-hmm. this thing. And, I don't again, and you're 100% right. Like, a, a high-level party would absolutely destroy this thing. To be fair, that's also why I gave it such a high hit point pool at the beginning. Right, right, right. So, I gave it adaptable. The life form can survive in extreme cold temperatures and can hold its breath up to 30 minutes. All right. Uh, it's got amorphous. It can squeeze through any opening as narrow as one inch. Like an octopus. Just like an octopus. Um, and then I gave it a trait I call Indomitable Grappler. Okay. Targets grappled by the lifeform roll escape checks at disadvantage. And every time they fail an escape attempt, they take 1d4 plus X bludgeoning damage, where X is the number of evolution points the lifeform has. So every time they try and fail, mm-hmm. they're taking... Damages it's kind of crushing back on them and holding them tighter. Okay. Um, then for its actions, we've got multi-attack. The life form makes one grapple attack and then either it's crush or rip attacks. So its grapple attack is a melee weapon attack, which is plus five to hit, reach of five feet, um, and one target. And on a hit, it'll deal 1d6 plus three bludgeoning damage, and the target is grappled with an escape DC of 15. This damage increases by 1d6 for every two evolution points the life form has, and the escape DC increases to 16 when it has two points, 18 when it has six points, and 20 when it has ten points. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah, so at, at when this thing is fully evolved, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be hard to escape from this thing. And of course, keep in mind that the damage is also the damage and two hit are going to be increasing based off of its strength and proficiency bonuses. So just exponentially more damage. Um, it's two attacks. I've got Crush and Rip. They're very similar to each other. Uh, they both hit on a plus five, and they can only target the creature it is grappling. Um, on a hit for the Crush attack, it deals 6d6 plus five bludgeoning damage. It's an average of 26. And then the Rip attack deals uh, an average of 4d10 plus five slashing damage. It's an average of 27. Um, and then for both of them, though, the damage does increase for every two evolution points it has. Right. By 46 for the crush and 40-10 for the rip. So rip is going to be, uh, is going to, uh, scale a little bit faster than crush, but. Yeah, but it's also, since it's those D10s, it's swingier. Yeah. Um, then we've got the legendary actions that I hinted at. The persistent life form can, of course, take three actions. I'm not, I don't know, I'm reading that. Uh, the three legendary actions it has are dig in. The DC for an escape attempt on the life form's grapple becomes plus four until the beginning of its next turn. So it makes it even harder to escape right. that grapple. Can it do that multiple times? Like, um, could it go from plus four to plus eight? Or I think that it's if it's going to spend all of its legendary actions to do so, why not? Okay. I was just wondering. Yep. I think so. Okay. I think that works. Um, because, I mean, this whole thing's shtick is about grappling someone mm-hmm. and staying on them. Mm-hmm. So, and we see that a plenty. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, we've also given it, uh, I give it the legendary action I call Shred. The life form deals damage equal to its rip attack to any target it's grappling. So, so just straight up does that damage. Yeah, it doesn't need to roll the hit, it just does the damage. And then finally, for two actions, I've given it the Feed ability. Where the life form de- does 4d10 piercing damage to a creature it's grappling, and then the life form regains hit points equal to the damage dealt. So yeah. this thing's gonna be hard to... It's going to be pretty hardy. It's it's a rough thing. Um, and yeah, an absolute nightmare for the DMs to run. I do apologize. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like I said, I, I 
I was in too deep by the time I realized it. I, I just I don't think it. it's as bad as as you think it is. Uh, the bookkeeping is going to be rough, but I do think a coordinated DM is going to be able to to make use of it. the The hard part is still going to be deciding where to make use of it and why to not just use a creature that's already big. Yeah, <laughs> right. I could easily see that. Although I think that this thing has theoretically unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, that DC for its uh, its evolution is going to get higher and higher and higher to the point where the only time it's evolving is on a nat 20. Right, right. But whatever. I think that whatever. <laughs> so, and it, it's another one of those things. Who knows if this actually works the way I think it does in my head. I, th- I think it does. I don't see why it wouldn't. But that's what we got. So... That's what I. That's what I did. It was. I don't know. I, I felt like it was better than just making three to five to. Who knows how many different stat yeah, blocks? Yeah. No. I. I get that. That would be tedious. Tedious and honestly, to me, kind of boring. Yeah. But there you go. So with that, um, I guess we talk about two weeks. It's kind of a big time for us. Isn't yeah. It? This was the the last episode of year one of the podcast. Yeah. We we've. Gone an entire fucking year of doing this. <laughs> of doing yep, this. this is that. Which surprises me. I I didn't think we would stick with it. Same here. I thought we would abandon it after a few episodes, but I just I really enjoy doing these. So mm-hmm. um, they're a lot of fun, and I'm glad we I'm glad we made it through a year. Yeah. Um, so we're retiring a podcast, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, you, that's not what you said. Do <laughs> Are you asking me? I don't know <laughs> because <laughs> I just, I'm just. I'm just so excited. We got a landmark, but we do. so with that, Chris. I mean, we got a we got a special movie, right? Oh, I mean, kind of special, yeah. Uh, the first movie we did in a very bad episode was uh, Alien. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that ep- I don't I don't remember that episode. <laughs> that was us crowded around a fucking Yeti mic, and <laughs> the sound quality shows. The sound quality was bad. We had no idea what we were doing. You just kind of hurtled me into the fucking description. <laughs> you told me five minutes before the episode started. Oh yeah, you're recapping this, right? And I was like, I am. <laughs> Which is why it's so disjointed. Yeah, and... but I mean, it laid the groundwork. Yeah, it, it did. And even though I would really rather people not listen to that episode, no, don't listen to that episode. <laughs> um, it's still an important episode for us. Yeah. So what we're, what we're going to do is we're visiting. We're going to uh, look at uh, the sequel, Aliens. Yep. First creature kind of sequel. Is it? Technically, I mean, sequel to a movie that we've watched oh, okay. on creature. Is it? I mean. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think any other movie was a sequel to anything okay. unless you consider The Thing, but yeah, that's not I guess really that's true. that doesn't really count. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've think. done remakes. We've done we, re- we've done a few remakes, yeah, but we haven't done a, a sequel. Okay. Well, fine then. Well, this is our first sequel. First sequel. It's going to open the floodgates, I think. Yeah. Aliens is so that'll be fun. Um so thank you so much for listening as always. We we very much do appreciate it. Yeah. Um and uh, you can find our stat blocks, of course, uh, to any of these episodes in the description. Um, you can also find them on D&D Beyond by searching for my old ha- handle, which is the underscore best underscore disguise. Um, and I put them up on Twitter as well, mm-hmm. um, at, creature, at, at creature underscore crunch. I think I should. Why are you asking me? I don't remember all of a sudden. Why did we go stupid, Matt? What happened to us? What happened to my brain? It's all one word. There's no underscore. On Twitter, at uh, Creature Crunch. Um, Fuck me. Yep. 
<laughs> you can also get, hit us up on our Patreon. Just search for Creature Crunch. Uh, we have tons of episodes there. The, tons of content. We, we have a bonus episode for each main feed episode we've done, except for that one lost episode. <laughs> but we did eventually put up the, the stuff we discussed in that episode. Yep. And we, except for the first couple episodes, we do like four or more things for each yeah, movie we, we, we watch. Do quite a few. So like, it is the bulk of the <laughs> D&D-based content of this podcast. It's absolutely the bulk of that. It's also where you'll get early access to the Comics Crunch episodes. You'll get those a little bit early before they hit the main feed. Yep. And those are super fun if you haven't listened to those yet. The one we've got coming up, if it hasn't already gone up by this time. It will have come up. It will have come out like, yeah, it'll be out. It'll okay. Be out. Uh, and our the most recent one on the Patreon is uh, me and you going over old comic book ads and making weirdo that was... magical items based off of what we find in those. Yeah, that one was a super fun episode. So uh, check us out on Patreon. We do really appreciate it. We also have the, the $1 tier if you just want to help support mm-hmm. us. Um, but with that, uh, you can also hit us up individually on Twitter. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the library C. That's C-E-E. I haven't been putting up much in the way of painted minis lately because I have been incredibly depressed. Yay! And uh, I uh, can be found on Twitter. Um, I am at Danny underscore Hamstake, usually yelling at corporations and posting Godzilla stuff. Yep. But, uh, or retweeting Godzilla stuff, rather. So with that, uh, we will see you in two weeks for our anniversary episode! Why do you-